0: Welcome to another instalment of the Pharma Forum podcast. My name is Dominic Tyre, and I'm Pharma Forum's creative and editorial director. For episode 36, Richard Staines, Pharma Forum's news editor, spoke to Andrew Mead from Accenture about the trends that emerged in this year's Q1 results season. Mead talked about the prospects for the industry as the UK and other economies begin to recover from the devastating pandemic. He also discussed how COVID vaccines have raised the profile of the pharma industry in the perception of the general public. You can find more details of this episode, including a download link for the podcast and information about other instalments in the series at pharmaforum.com forward slash podcast. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, and Podbean, where you can find and subscribe to it by searching for Pharma Forum.
1: So welcome to today's pharma uh, Forum podcast with Andrew Mead, UK and Ireland life sciences leader at Accenture. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, Q1 results season. Um, and the first question I'd like to ask you, Andrew, is uh, what sections of farmer fared well in Q1 and which didn't do so well? So hey, Richard. So look, I actually think the
2: sector as a whole did very well. You know. look at some of the companies out there, some of them had great results and some of them are showing great promise. And in fact, you can almost say you've got the guys who are well in advanced with the vaccine and those that aren't. Um, For people like uh, Moderna, Pfizer, J and J, and AstraZeneca, Q1 has been fantastic. Um, And I think actually what they've done has been great for the industry as a whole. You know, I think it it's created much more awareness of these companies. You know, people will talk about big pharma in the past, but I wonder how many people would have had, you know, AstraZeneca or Pfizer or Johnson Johnson or Moderna at the tip of their tongue as they way they do today. And I think this is great because actually I think what those brands have achieved, what those companies are doing, is building trust for the industry, which I think is is a great and a positive thing. And I think, you know, when you looked at the Q1 results, you saw, you know. Some of those guys who have really accelerated through some of the R&D phases to get the vaccine out and about have also been able to uh, show their shareholders and people who are vested in them that they've uh, got great new revenue streams as a consequence of of their endeavours. I think you also saw there is different types of companies in the sense that you've got some companies who are, you know, in different stages of the reinvention. There are some who have got pipelines that are supercharged and ready to go. uh, And really now it's about maximizing the value and the future of those pipelines. And there are some companies who are are reinventing themselves and creating uh, new pipelines and new drugs, but I think all in all, I think the sector is in a great place. And I actually think in Q1 you saw the economic importance of a healthy life science sector, in particular
1: for the UK. And I think it's all it's all goodness. Thanks very much. And so a year on from the start of the funding, which has what's been the lasting impact of COVID nineteen on pharma.
2: So I think there's a, there's a number of things. So first and foremost. I think our scientists and the people in the pharma companies have always been great about talking about the patient, talking about collaboration, talking about digitization, and they're very cerebral and very smart. But but sometimes the the chat around doing all these things isn't quite uh, aligned with the actions around making these things happen. I think what's been really fantastic over the last year is the degree of collaboration across companies uh, and actually between companies and academia. And actually between companies from different industry groups to solve for supply chain and manufacturing, as well as uh, for the vaccine. So I think number one thing is real action, real collaboration to solve for a world problem. Then I think the second thing is, you know, COVID has restricted all of our movements. And we think about movement, we must think about, you know, the patient who wants to get to a clinical trial. And sometimes that clinical trial is a last stop, shop and hope for a cure uh, or, or a better um, life. Also just patients just getting general treatment, You know, people who are on regular therapies, people who've got chronic diseases and need to engage with their physicians. I think all these different groups now have new ways of connecting and being part of the story without having to be physically present in the hospitals or physically in front of the physician or other places. And I think embracing digital to enable clinical trials to continue uh, embracing digital to enable patients to get diagnosis, embracing digital to allow patients to actually continue the treatment, I think is a is a huge change and a powerful change. And then, of course, in amongst all the people who like to move out out and about, there is the the sales reps uh, and other parts of the pharma company who want to go out and see the HCPs. And for them, I think fact that a lot of their engagement over the last year has been courtesy of, you know, uh, Zoom or Teams or other things has been really interesting because it's actually afforded them an opportunity to spend longer, ironically, with some of the healthcare providers that they normally engage with. And I think in that longer dialogue, they have the opportunity to really show themselves as useful individuals who can help the carer uh, or the physician or whoever it might be, develop a better understanding uh, of their therapeutic. You know, when, you, when you've you got 15 minutes as opposed to a few minutes, you can share some thinking, you can share some uh, data, you can share some research and you can make the whole interaction really, really valuable and less self serving So I think those are, are fantastic things. And I guess my hope is that we've always believed in the, the importance of the physical sales force and getting this physical sales force out to see healthcare providers we've always believed in the importance of you know the patient sitting firmly in front of the doctor to have that discussion and consultation and even aspects of the diagnosis but COVID has really kicked off some innovation and forced us to embrace some digital and mobile technologies that have been there for a while but we haven't been as quick to move on them as we might have been and COVID has caused an acceleration in some of that stuff and I guess what I'm really keen on and what I'd love to see is I want this moment to be one for us to build on. And by that, what I mean is you know, you have a choice. You can continue to accelerate the digital and mobile path. Um, And I think that really is renaissance moment stuff. Or you can choose to say, okay, you know what? We can now get out and about. We've all been vaccinated. Let's go. And I think that would be a shame in terms of if we go back to the old habits and the old behaviors, as opposed to using the new capabilities, the new technologies or the technologies that we haven't embraced with Gusto in the past. If we lose that moment, I think that would be a a real shame. So I think really embracing the tech is actually allowing us to be more useful to the healthcare provider, to be more useful uh, to the patient, and actually to really change the dynamics uh, of how we look after uh, patients in general. And I think the whole purpose of our industry, ultimately is to solve for the patient and to ensure and to create a better outcome for them. And I think COVID has really helped us think differently, behave differently, act differently. And I think that kind of collaboration, digitization and other things is just goodness.
1: Thanks very much. And talking about maybe the financials um, more, um, how do you see the pandemic affecting the industry in the coming year? In terms of
2: the financials of the industry, I think, you know, as you know, for some of the companies who are going to play a very significant role in the vaccine, you know, it's going to be a big revenue item. And it's, the vaccine is not, you know, it will be a moment in time, but it'll be a moment in time that's going to last, I think, for several years. And the vaccine is something that's going to require multiple shots, it's going to require boosters and other things. So these are are real revenue streams and for some companies you're going to see them set up vaccine divisions within their business where they've not had them in the past and for others you're going to see those that have got vaccine businesses adding this into the mix and you know it would be a significant revenue item uh, for some of those companies so financially uh i think that's a good thing i think the second thing is the innovation and the digitization stuff we described earlier i think done properly i think it's going to allow us to do more with less and to do more faster. So I think economically for the companies, you know, accelerating R&D has always been a holy grail type topic. This has shown how you can accelerate, how you can collaborate and move faster. And I think as well, you know, if you look in the industry, the, the regulators and others, you know, they will always be fastidious. They will always do the right thing in terms of protecting the patient. But I think even they have seen how we can move faster. The faster we move, the sooner we get drugs out there, the sooner we can commercialise and get more out of their uh, economic uh, life as well. But more importantly, actually, the sooner we can get great medicine uh, out to the patient. And like I said, ultimately, you know, the the guys who are leading in our industry, they think about the science, they think about the purpose of the science and what the science can do. And I think it's all goodness.
1: Just as a sort of supplementary question, um, what do you think, do you think this World Trade Organisation proposal to... um, Wave patents on vaccines, on COVID vaccines, will be a financial headwind in the coming year?
2: Look, I think that's a really interesting one because, you know, we'll, these are sophisticated products, so you can waive the IP all you want. You have to have the ability to safely manufacture these things at scale for it to have impact. I think when you look at the industry, you will see that some of the key players are already on the vaccine journey In a not for profit manner. Uh, And I think, again, kudos to them for, for doing that. I think that's the right sentiment and the right thing to solve. And I think that it's the kind of sentiment that gets the collaboration moving between the governments, the healthcare companies, the legislators, and the patients.
1: And great, thanks very much. And so, what about just future trends? I think you've covered quite a lot of this kind of stuff already, but I was thinking in terms of perhaps maybe kind of technology trends. Um, for instance, um, things like the uh, MR, mRNA technology that's allowed some of the vaccines to, uh, to to be made and that kind of thing. Do you see any kind of trends like that that are going to maybe shift? Yeah, so so first of all,
2: the, I mean, what's interesting is so the mRNA uh, progress through this has been fantastic. And also, you know, a year or two ago, if you talked about mRNA and you talked about the cold chain issues and everything else, people would say, hmm a bit of complexity is it manageable you know Pfizer and the guys have have managed that really really well so I think one that technology is exciting and we'll see more developments uh, in that space two I think you know you saw the power of the collaboration between you know AstraZeneca and Oxford I think more collaboration between academia and pharmaceutical companies is going to be great it was going to be there I think more investments around the universities to enable that will be a strategic pillar for all uh i see that you know for every world economy every big economy like the uk the importance of having a thriving life science sector and making sure it's supported protected and invested in i think is going to be there as well i think collaboration between companies uh, is going to be key i always think we look across the patch and say the more we can share in a responsible patient data and patient insights, the quicker we'll be able to solve for patients as well. And I think there's a really great opportunity to do more with patient data, patient diagnostics, and other things to, to create, again, better outcomes for the patients. And then I think, of course, you're gonna see uh, more m in the industry, uh, as you're seeing, for example, right this second with AstraZeneca and Alexia.
1: Right. Well, thanks very much. That's, uh, that's some all my questions. Um, look forward to perhaps catching up with you again in the future. Thanks for helping us with this podcast.
0: Pleasure, Richard. And that concludes episode 36 of the Pharma Forum podcast and Richard Staines' discussion with Accenture's Andrew Mead about the trends that emerged in this year's Q1 results season. You can find more details of this episode, including a download link for the podcast and information about other instalments in the series at pharmaforum.com forward slash podcast. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, and Podbean, where you can find and subscribe to it by searching for Pharmaforum. And don't forget to visit our website to sign up for daily or weekly email pharmaceutical news and analysis bulletins. And follow us on Twitter, where we are at Palmer Forum.